Mornings at Murphy, uh, read by our Mornings close friend and Murphy's. co. What? Murphy's. I said Murphy's. No, you said Murphy. Fuck me. One more time. You got it. <laughs> Ugh. Nosy Pod is brought to you by three creatives from Brooklyn. We are friends, collaborators, and commentators seeking to ask life's biggest questions. I'm Maya. I'm Kiara. And I'm Zaylee. Who's ready to get nosy? I am. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay, we're live. Okay, we're live, you guys. This is so we usually just a little bit of uh, insider knowledge. We usually actually don't record the Sunday read on Sunday, mm. but this morning we are coming to you live on the same Sunday that you're going to hear this. So we're in, we're in the same mindset as you are, yes. y'all. You're gonna be listening to it right after we're talking, <laughs> right after we speak, right now. <laughs> this episode is like you are not ready it's so amazing it's just such a beautiful read and it's i mean i think it's the most sunday sundayest read we've ever done it is it's very cozy like i'm smelling coffee i'm smelling donuts i'm smelling Mm -hmm. it's not it's not smelling them but i feel the vibes (laughs) kiara is giving you a little bit of like a teaser Mm -hmm. of what is to come i am Mm -hmm. when you said donuts i just fell apart (laughs) Today, we have the privilege of welcoming Allison Charman onto the pod. She was an honor to talk to, a pleasure to be around, and we're so excited that you get to listen. Um, she is a writer and a student at Harvard College. She studies social studies and English. She grew up in rural Western Massachusetts, where she worked at a donut shop. Mm-hmm. You'll hear more about that. <laughs> She loves hiking, she loves reading, and she loves cold brewing her own iced coffee. Without further ado, we're so excited to hear a beautiful reading done by our own Maya Lane of Allison's Mornings at Murphy's. Let's go. Let's get into it. This episode of Nosy Reads is brought to you by HomebodyLearning.com. Homebody Learning is a monthly subscription to unlimited live classes that you can take in the convenience of your own home. Subscribers have access to live yoga and boxing classes. New classes are added each month, and if you subscribe today, your first month is free. If you're looking for ways to get your body moving or lost access to the gym during this crazy time, Homebody is a great way to bring your gym home. When you're ready to get started, just visit homebodylearning.com to subscribe. That's homebodylearning.com. And without further ado, let's get nosy. Mornings at Murphy's by Allison J. Sharman. If you glaze a cake donut too quickly after it leaves the fryer, it will fall apart. If you wait too long, it will dry thick like frosting on the donut's surface. You have to wait for exactly the right moment when the donut is just warm enough for the glaze to penetrate its outer layer and form a thin, sweet crust around it. 
By the time I park my car and walk through the back door into the kitchen, the overnight bakers, Matt and Jose, have been hard at work, frying and glazing for hours. I arrive at 2.30 a.m. on the dot, depositing my keys and bag on a side table before sliding my paper time card into the ancient punch clock. While the town around me sleeps, I put in my headphones and dance around the dimly lit restaurant brewing coffee, filling cash registers, and stuffing box after box with what travel writers at HuffPost named one of the dozen best donuts in America. That was my weekend morning routine at Mrs. Murphy's Donuts, an Irish-themed Southwick, Massachusetts institution opened by Earl and Rose Murphy in 1976. The shop boasts an almost mythical status in rural New England, attracting locals and leaf peepers alike with the promise of a cup of coffee and a homemade donut for the small price of $2.50. But only if they're willing to do without the to-go cup, sit down, and stay a while. My mother first tried to secure a job for me at the shop when I was just 13. Much to her chagrin, and to the credit of child labor laws, the shop did not hire middle schoolers. The way my mother saw it, working at Murphy's was my birthright. It was the closest I ever came to being a legacy applicant, and I wasn't even a member of the place's titular family. My older sister worked at the shop as a teenager in the 90s, forcing my father to wake up at 5 a.m. on many a Saturday or Sunday morning to ensure that she hauled her hungover body out of bed and into her car in time for her shift. My older brother did a brief stint at Murphy's as well, but as a mopper. I had no money, no car, and no prior work experience when the Murphy family finally broke down and hired me at age 15. I used the promise of free donuts to incentivize upperclassmen with driver's licenses to drop me off for my after-school closing shifts. I'd bag them a few donuts before hurrying back into the restaurant to wait on my beloved, albeit demanding, afternoon regulars. Jen took her coffee with milk and one sweet and low, iced in the summer. I handed her the pink packet, grabbing two equals for Bruce before rushing to the donut rack for his glazed jelly stick in ice water with a plastic straw. Will took his coffee black with two Splenda, and George usually asked for a milkshake, but only if Susie was working, which she usually was. If not, he'd have a coffee and a bagel with extra cream cheese, or a hot dog with raw onions, not grilled. I'd hand Lucy, a nurse practitioner, her cinnamon twist and a cup of tea just in time to hear her chide George for his order. After all, he recently suffered a stroke. I identified my regulars by their orders long before I learned their names. They called me Red before they learned mine. I spent more time with my regulars than with some of my closest friends. On birthdays, one might bring a cake for a fellow regular and ask us to hide it in the back. Some of my co-workers found it silly that they brought dessert to a donut shop, but I didn't mind. Without Murphy's, there would be nowhere else to go. They fashioned a family table out of a donut shop counter, and for four years, I stood in the center. I watched them come and go, leaving behind exact change in empty mugs. When I returned from my first year of college, one of the faces was missing. When I returned from my second year of college, I didn't visit. One by one, they're disappearing, taking the memories of my counter days with them. I am not ready to be the only one who remembers. A Murphy's girl no more, I often wonder who I am to the baristas at the coffee shops I frequent now. Am I the redhead who orders a small iced coffee, black, 
Am I the girl who lingers a little too long at the counter? If I turn around, walk out the door, and never come back, will anyone notice that I am gone? I reach my arm across the counter to hand over my debit card or to drop a dollar in the tip jar. I try to send a message with my eyes, with the slight touch of skin to skin before the ding of the credit card machine tells me it is time to go. I was once you, I want to say. I think some part of me always will be. Hi, nosy listeners. This episode is sponsored by my blog, myalane.blog. That's M-A-Y-A-L-A-Y-N-E dot blog. When you're there, take a look at my Poems For You page. I've been writing customized poems for people based on a few quick and easy questions. I'm actually not accepting requests right now, but I will be in the near future. So you should browse around, take a look, get inspired, and see if you're interested in having me write for you. And I can't wait to get your requests. I'm sorry to bring this crazy energy into your ears on a Sunday afternoon when I know you just want to chill, but I'm just so excited. I'm just feeling so electrified inside because we have Allison Sharman in the room. We've had the pleasure for us to join her today to be able to feature her piece. Oh, I can't wait to chat with her. Allison, say hey. Hey. Welcome, Allison. <laughs> Welcome Thanks to for being here, Allison. Uh, this is a you. very special split. The magic happens mm. on Sunday afternoons <laughs> in this very call. <laughs> in this very call, yes. In this in very, very Zoom room. <laughs> Zoom room, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so Allison, I had the pleasure of reading Mornings at Murphy's. I loved it. I kind of felt like I was you as I was reading it. I was like, man, I just, I was drawn so deeply into the piece. And I think one of my favorite things about it, this is just a sidebar, but one of my favorite <laughs> things about it is like the distance at which you hold the reader. I think it's really interesting because it feels very intimate, but at the same time, I feel like I'm watching it from like this mm. um, kind of higher perspective in a way. So it feels like I'm watching everything happen in the, in the cafe, but I'm also there and drinking uh, you know, Bird's eye a view. nice coffee with a sweet and low or whatever it is. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure the listeners enjoyed it as well. But my first question is, what was your favorite order at Murphy's? Ooh, okay. This is like a topic of, of great significance. If you look at <laughs> Mrs. Murphy's. So we all have different iced coffees or hot coffees, drinks, whatever that we would make during our shifts, as well as our favorite donuts that they serve. Mm -hmm. um, I was partial to a toasted almond iced coffee, black with maybe like half a melt, like a sugar melted in it. Hmm. So I would melt the sugar beforehand oh. and add it to my toasted almond iced coffee so that it like dissolves. <laughs> oh, that's a flex. Got it. And then yeah. I this is very barista. <laughs> yeah, that's Tips. a finesse. <laughs> was a toasted so almond like that. a syrup? No, it was brewed, like the flavor was brewed toasted oh, almond. Oh, wow. Yeah. No one ever ordered the toasted almond iced coffee, so I felt like it was just me drinking it. <laughs> 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 They're just ordering but it that's for cool. You. And then a chocolate uh, all those donut 
Mm. Mm. <laughs> the way my eyes just uh, <laughs> I know. rolled back in my head. <laughs> if you work there, you can eat a donut, like a fresh glazed donut, 30 seconds out of the glazer. Stop. Mm. So it comes out of the fryer, goes into the glazer, or the glaze, and... If you eat it, like, within the first minute or two, it's safe to eat. It'll just melt in your mouth. Wow. Like a honey-dip glazed donut. Just dropped it. I don't know how to describe the experience. Like, you have to be there at the exact right time to get it. Allison, even hearing you talk about this and just, like, the specifics and the detail and the beauty Mm -hmm. of it. Like, I literally feel like you're a food writer. Mm -hmm. It feels so nostalgic. (laughs) It feels like you almost, like, miss the, like, I mean, it kind of, I think you talk about this a bit, that, like, you kind of miss Murphy's and you miss working there. And I just wanted to know, like, what you miss most about the experience um and what you could do without <laughs> while you were there i i could do without the super early mornings but that was <laughs> yeah, also my 2 choice 30 a.m like that is crazy yeah. it was definitely an unorthodox high school job um <laughs> but i think my favorite part was the sense of routine like i would roll mm. in at 2 30 i'd park my car i'd go in i'd put on like i think at the time i was listening to like frank ocean's channel yeah. orange on loop a lot um and I'd play it and it would be just me alone, me and the night bakers in the cafe. And I'd go up, I'd get my box of money, I'd fill the registers. I had a whole system of like, put two things of coffee, like prepare two things of coffee to brew, get everything where it needs to go, exact order I had to do things in. Mm-hmm. And it was just nice to sort of show up and, and fulfill that routine and then like go about the rest of my day. The beginning of this, oh, just how you described it, it just sounds like the beginning of like a coming of age film. Do you know what I mean? Like eight twenty four, like two thirty a.m. High school, pulling up, Frank Ocean on the back. It just sounds very like coming of age. I love it. This is yeah, all I'm actually a, ma- a mastermind plot for my low budget Lady Bird remake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'd watch it. Wow, thinking ahead, Lincoln builds. She's really <laughs> forming these plans. I love it. I will say that like what you're saying about routine is so. well you know it's quarantine and everything's up in the air so i do really miss that feeling of having something like having a reason to show up somewhere and having a reason to show up somewhere especially early i think is really interesting Mm. i worked on nantucket at a little like just kind of a a beach store and i had to go in seven Mm -hmm. six in the morning and i just remember the pastry person would come and i'd have to meet them and i'd have to brew all the coffee and then go in the kitchen talk to the guys so just all of this all of what you're describing is so um I don't know. It just it hits me in a way that I didn't even realize until just now. <laughs> well, I think when you go to when you go to college, like you almost you're doing so much book work and so much academic mm. work and so much running around and meeting all of these jobs, commitments. You might be working in an office. It's just not the same experience as working with your hands and chatting mm. with the same customers mm-hmm. every single day. And I think that when you were, I don't, know, I don't know, like where you all, I know you said you go to Wesleyan, Mm -hmm. um, Zaley went to NYU. Like when you're going to these schools, you meet a lot of people who've never worked. Mm -hmm. And to me, (laughs) that informs a lot of, I think my first impression of people. Sometimes I can Mm. tell when people haven't worked. (laughs) I think that especially when you've worked at like a service industry job, it kind of gives you certain personality traits or certain understanding of people in the world and like Mm -hmm. responsibility that people who don't work don't mm-hmm. have which is mm-hmm. not to like people a lot of people have family responsibilities and other things that equate to jobs i'm talking mm-hmm. about people who just simply have like no 
Mm. responsibility (laughs) yeah i mean well how do you think that like the job of being a server and of kind of remembering people's orders and bringing Mm -hmm. out birthday cakes when it was their birthday like how do you think that that changed your personality what do you think is like that gave you i think it gave me a sense of home it gave me um, Mm -hmm. a wider connection to my hometown i live in one of the most conservative towns in the state of massachusetts Mm -hmm. and i'm actually i'm not conservative as is suggested by most things about me my personality my views um and so it could feel hard at times to feel connected to my hometown and i think working at murphy's working at this landmark local establishment really gave me a a sense of like roots in my hometown and of something that i love to come back to and visit uh and getting a job so young getting a job at 15 makes that just very I can't really separate it from how I like came of age in high school. I was going to say even like, yes, working in like established, like I also was a hostess. So like, yes, learning and knowing what people are doing, like specifically and what their orders are. And what you were saying before, and you were like, yes, I can tell when people haven't worked. Like, it's kind of very <laughs> obvious. But I think that you also kind of like got the skill. Well, well, at least like I saw in the writing of like being able to, be aware of like people and just like being really like a reader and like even just from orders like knowing what specific things are going on so I could kind of also see that and I I can understand how like roots were grounded in that as well because it's like coming of age like developing understanding how to read people or just be aware mm-hmm. of people and just through that job it, yeah it was very evident in your writing I was gonna say you feel good when you remember someone's order over over <laughs> over time uh it feels good to do things by muscle memory to see someone walk in and be like, Oh, I got to go pour a decaf and get one Splenda packet. And before they even sit down, you mm. have the order down where, you know, they're going to sit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainty, pure certainty, <laughs> just knowing something before you know it, knowing something before you have to think about it. Uh, I miss the, I miss that feeling. You don't I have feel like I haven't had that feeling. No, I feel like I haven't had that I feeling in like that. weeks. <laughs> in months. I totally months. agree. <laughs> Doing things that are, are like rote and just memory based. And another thing that you were talking about, Allison, that I find really interesting also is the essence of being in the servants industry and having practice with showing deference to people. Because I feel like a lot of, at least in the communities that I went to school in and even in, in college, it's like a lot of people, a lot of people who have worked have worked for people who are like really big ups, you know, like CEOs, right? And like in their mind, that makes sense. Like I'm supposed to respect my CEO. I'm supposed to do whatever they say. I'm supposed to, you know, but I think a lot of people or not as many people have, um, have experienced showing deference to the average person, showing deference to somebody that um, you may not do, you may not show deference to in another kind of scenario. And I think that's really humbling. And I think what one of the things that I appreciated so much about your piece is that you really embraced that positionality um you can't really be uppity when you're working behind (laughs) i don't like the i don't like my own use of like the word like i can't be uppity behind the counter because i do think that people i don't want to be misunderstood as having said that you can't defend yourself Mm -hmm. like i think especially when you're like a young woman working behind a counter there are such there are situations where you have to stand up for yourself and you have to make it clear that certain behavior towards you um, is not appropriate. Mm -hmm. But there's also a level of general expectation of how you have to behave beyond those very explicit scenarios where you have Mm -hmm. to be friendly. You have to be nice. You're working for tips. You're also just, if you're going to see the same people every day, if you're not nice to them, you're not going to have a pleasant time at work. Mm 
<laughs> so that's more what I mean then. Allison, now that you are no longer on the other side of the counter, how do you want to be perceived by those behind the counter? Like, what do you make sure to do? And what are some best practices that you can leave <laughs> us with? Because I think it's hard. I mean, now during Miss Rona, I haven't really, I mean, Dunkin' Donuts is the extent of my like behind the counter, like being behind the counter. I mean, on the other side of the counter, but I would love to know, like, what are some best practices that nosy readers should be thinking about when they walk into a coffee shop or... I think remember that you don't know when the person behind the counter got into work. If the person mm. is slow, if they mess up your order, mm -hmm. there are worse things in the world. I never get mad at servers or wait staff because mm -hmm. I just, I can't be bothered by having to wait another 30 seconds for my coffee or having something confused in my order. I feel like I'm always, you don't have to do this. No one has to do this, but I feel mm -hmm. like I'm always apologizing to the server. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm so sorry to bother you. You've been here all day and there's like a line out the door. But every now and then you do have to approach. So I just be kind, be nice. Mm -hmm. um, I always feel compelled to mention, especially when someone is clearly really busy in a cafe, looks stressed, is apologizing to me about something to be like, nope, I've done this. I've been there. I've been mm -hmm. a barista. You're totally fine. Mm -hmm. uh, People can be really mean <laughs> to uh, wait staff or servers, so which is my pet so peeve. Mean. My mother was a bartender, which is a huge part of why I have the attitude towards servers and like wait staff that I do. Because I grew up, I would be sitting at the kitchen counter when my mother came back from her shift at the bar. Like midnight, I had insomnia as a kid and we'd mm. chat. And mm. she loved her regulars and she always spoke so affectionately about working at the bar. And I always had a respect for wait staff that was rooted in that experience. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's a fair, we can draw a hard line on that one. Nosy listeners should never <laughs> to wait staff. We'll turn off this podcast line. right now. If I hear about right one now. of you being rude to wait staff, I will personally come to your house and have it, give you a stern talking to. I'm dead. How would you hear about it? I'm just imagining the ways that you could hear about it. Doesn't that. matter. I have ears and eyes everywhere. That's all I have to say. I have eyes on the ground. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to ask a question about I mean I'm kind of jumping but we did want to get into a little bit about your writing process but I'm just curious about how you got it got started in writing like what is your writing process usually like what was your writing process for this because this one seemed seemed like very reflective yeah so I have been writing for my campus newspaper the Harvard Crimson for almost three full years now in high school i wrote but just for fun i wrote poetry i liked to write for my classes writing was something that i felt came naturally to me and then in college i gravitated towards journalism this was new though writing creative nonfiction was very new for me i applied to a creative writing class this fall taught by michael pollan who's this super great writer and professor and i didn't think i was going to get in writing classes can be kind of competitive and I submitted an essay I had written for the newspaper about the musician Julian Baker. I actually write like a lot of music reviews and like essays about music mm. um, that I was really proud of that I had written after going covering Boston Calling the year before. And I got accepted to the writing class, which was insane to me. Mm -hmm. And I still kind of don't believe that that happened. And the <laughs> Congratulations. First <prompt> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the first prompt that we had was write something about food. Uh, that was it. That was the sentence. Write something about food, your connection to food, food that you love, like food that mm -hmm. provokes nostalgia, something to that effect. And I just immediately knew 
like I had all these thoughts in my head about Murphy's that I had to Mm -hmm. get out and Mm -hmm. I put them in this essay. Amazing. (laughs) It was, it really like put this essay was, it's interesting that it was about food or like that was the prompt because it really feels like it's about place and Mm. like you're so observant and probably because you had so much, you spent so much time there, but I really feel like I was in Murphy's and like, I don't often feel like sometimes when a, I mean, we're city girls. We're, like, distant from, like, these small-town things where you know the people that you might mm-hmm. be serving. You know the people in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But um, just feeling that, like, I had a sense of nostalgia for something that I had never mm-hmm. experienced. Mm-hmm. Super, super beautiful. So, okay, so I guess that kind of answers the question, like, why now? But, like, why do you think that Murphy's is something that you return to even, like, years later? Mm-hmm. I think what inspired this piece was I had a situation where I walked into a coffee shop in Cambridge and the line was out the door and I was talking to the barista I was ordering and she kept apologizing to me. And I was like, I worked in a coffee shop. It's totally fine. And she immediately handed me my drink and said, you're not paying. Go. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> see. I remember that that feeling of camaraderie just stuck with me. And I had mm-hmm. had it before with like people who like work in the area who I'm friendlier with. Um, I, d- I don't know really know how to describe it just this i have this very deep attachment to having experienced working at this restaurant mm-hmm. in our town they call it murphy murphy's girls or like you're a murphy's girl <laughs> to the point where this this establishment is such a fixture that there were also like boys who worked at murphy's there were men who worked at murphy's <laughs> lots of them i want them to also be but called murphy's if you were, girls <laughs> if you were one of the girls like you were a murphy's girl my older sister was a murphy's girl then mm-hmm. i worked there my older brother mopped there very briefly um it felt like such a everyone knew me from murphy's everyone knew me as the person who worked at murphy's um and when i came to college i still felt like this was a big part of my background i ended up bartending my first year on campus and then managing a campus restaurant for another semester before i ended up getting a different job but even for my first year on campus i was still in a position where i was often serving other students in working these restaurant jobs mm-hmm. and that was definitely a different dynamic and a very interesting one mm-hmm. when you're in class with someone one night and then you're frying them mozzarella or one day and you're mm-hmm. frying the mozzarella sticks at like 1 so that is such a weird dynamic <laughs> so true <laughs> which sort of it flipped it that's not a dynamic i'm as affectionate about mm-hmm. relative mm-hmm. to working at murphy's where i did feel right. at home where as much as i complained about work everyone complains about work i had friends there i was friends with my coworkers. we hung out uh it felt like we were all sort of in it together. Whereas I think when you're working in service on a college campus, the dynamic can be really different. Mm-hmm. Right. You touched really quickly on family and I, and just what Zaylee was saying, like, yes, this piece was centered in food, but it just kind of reached these other circles, like it reached location. But to me, it really talked about family and just one of the lines that you talked about legacy, just like that, like phrase of legacy applicant, like the closest. I just love that phrase. Like before you came on the call, I was like, that part just really got me I love that description I love like the you know just comparing it to that it made so much sense but it really was definitely about family and I can see why revisiting Murphy's can be it's so what you were saying like so rooted in your identity Allison 
I don't even want to end this conversation. <laughs> like, I, I feel like we could literally talk forever about this. And I want our listeners to know that they can continue the conversation with you as a writer. So, like, where can we find you? Like, where can we keep getting nosy about your work? Well, if you want to get nosy about my work, you can <laughs> check it out at the uh, Harvard Crimson um, or follow me on Twitter at AJ Sharman, S-C-H-A-R-M-A-N-N. Mm-hmm. Um, I post a lot of my writing and other absurd thoughts <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> I write personal essays sometimes, but I also mostly write music and arts criticism and I edit okay. the newspaper section. So I would recommend checking out those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. We will link it in the description, but we are so thankful to you forever indebted to even just like get a glimpse into your amazing little mind over there like even just thank you for sharing and thank you for sharing with us yeah thank you for having me this was super great yay thank you bye hey everyone it's kiara thank you so much for listening to nosy I just wanted to pop in with a little shameless plug. If you just love podcasts so much and you want to listen to more, tune into my other podcast hosted by me and my friend Makari. It's called Period the Podcast. It's a relaxed space where we talk about being black 20-somethings, fresh college graduates, and make sure to hold space for discussions in the POC community. Tune in every other Friday on Apple Music and Spotify. Nosy Reads is a product of Nosy Media and was mixed, edited, produced, and creatively directed by members of our own team. Our theme song is Tea House Event, produced by Signy. Special thanks to Allison Sharman for writing our feature piece, Mornings at Murphy's, and to Maya for lending her beautiful voice. Subscribe to Nosy Pod wherever you get your podcasts and tune in on Tuesday for another Nosy episode. If you're interested in sharing your work on Nosy Reads, email us at nosypod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you have some strong opinions, a question you want answered, or want to leave some feedback, leave an Apple podcast review, send us a DM, or stay mad. You can find us being our usual nosy selves at Instagram.com slash nosypod. That's K-N-O-W-S-Y pod. Until next time, stay nosy. Thank you.